I want to invite you to grab your copy of God's Word this morning. Join me once again in the book of Galatians. We'll pick up where we left off this past Sunday, Galatians chapter 4, beginning in verse 12 and walking through verse 20 this morning. If you're new to North River Church, I want to let you know that every single week we open God's Word together. We seek to walk through and understand uh, with the help of the Holy Spirit of God at work within us what's going on in the text, apply that to our lives and seek to live out the life that God has called us to live out. And so if you don't have a copy of God's Word with you this morning, I'd encourage you, there's some in the seat backs in front of you. If you don't own a copy of God's Word, I'd encourage you to grab one of those and take it home with you. That's our gift to you this morning. And you can be certain that as we gather every single week, we're going to dive into God's Word together. As we get ready to do that this morning, I have a, a question for you. Do you remember as a child that when something went wrong, there was likely one parent that you reached out to. One parent you did not reach out to. So for me growing up, I knew that if something bad happened, I didn't call dad. If something bad happened, I called mom and said, hey mom, here's what happened. Will you please call dad and let him know? Some of you, it may be opposite for you. If, uh, if you're a teenager, this is just a piece of advice. You need to figure out which parent that is quickly. That'll serve you very well later on. For me, that was the way it was growing up. In our house now, it was a funny conversation. My parents were here last week, and uh, we were able to celebrate a little bit with them and have conversations about this. And we were sitting at the table at lunch Sunday and I, my mom was joking about that being the case growing up for me and my brother as well. That if something bad happened, we called mom, mom called dad, and dad still was not happy. But it was a little bit better than having to call dad right off the bat. So she asked my kids. She said, now, what's it like here at your house? So if something bad happens, do you call mom or do you call dad? And our girls both looked and they're like, if it's bad, we call mom. <laughs> and they said, okay, so like if something's bad, bad grade or something like that, we, we reach out to mom and mom talks with dad. But, but if it's dessert, <laughs> I'm the guy. Donuts for breakfast, ice cream for dinner. I mean, like that, they know that. They know that I'm the one that they are supposed to reach out to. You know, it's interesting that as we've been walking our way through the book of Galatians, what we've seen is Paul kind of function in the early chapters of Galatians, kind of in a harsh way towards the believers that are gathered there. So Paul is writing to this group of believers who had trusted Jesus Christ as their savior under Paul's ministry. And Paul is writing back to them because there are some who have entered into the church who are preaching a false gospel, who are saying to them, it's not just enough to trust Jesus and be saved from your sin. You need Jesus plus something else. They were called the Judaizers. It was Jesus plus the act of circumcision, or it was Jesus plus some other work that would earn God's favor. And Paul has been hammering them. If you've been with us over the last number of weeks with this issue, this is not the true gospel. You need to understand that. You need to grasp that. I mean, he said such things like, oh, foolish Galatians. 
I called my mom one time and I said, I was on the way home from college, said, I just got stopped by the Georgia State Patrol. I was doing 18 over. So he said, right? I mean, so he said. And I got a ticket, and so I'm coming by, call mom, I was like, um, I, need, I, need, I need to let you know something, she's coming home for Thanksgiving, I said, I just got a ticket, she said, son, don't worry about that, she said, you're coming home, we haven't seen you all semester, we're so glad to see you, I said, well, uh, can you talk to dad, and uh, she said, I mean, I'm in college, y'all, I'm in college, I said, can you talk to dad, and, uh, and she said, I, I got it covered, I get home, and my dad says, well, that was dumb. <laughs> That's essentially what Paul has been saying to this group of believers. That it is dumb, it is foolish, it is unconscionable to have experienced the grace of Jesus Christ and all that he's done for you. And to turn your back on that and to try and think that your standing before God is based on something other than what Christ has done. That it's based on your works, it's based on your effort. And he's saying that is not the case. But we see the tone a bit switch in verse 12 of chapter 4. For Paul, he's been a bit harsh with them. And now we see this side of Paul come out. And, and what I really see in this, and as we read the text here in just a little bit, I think you'll see it as well. Paul is brokenhearted. Uh, Paul is looking at this group of believers and his heart is broken, spilling open on the page of scripture before you, that he desperately wants them to understand it, that he wants them to get it. He wants them to know that it is salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Nothing else can save them from their sin or earn them favor in God's sight. Notice with me. Beginning in verse 12, this is what Paul writes. Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. You know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. What then has become of your blessedness? For I testified to you that if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? They make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out that you may make much of them. It is always good to be made much of for a good purpose, and not only when I am present with you, my little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. Father, we ask this morning that you would open our eyes that we would be able to see. You would open our ears that we would be able to hear. And you would open our hearts and our minds that we would be ready to respond to your word and to your spirit. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, 
Amen. As we look at the text this morning, I want you to write down this main idea. It'll frame our time together as we walk through these verses. And it's this truth. Count it joy when you see yourself growing in Christ-likeness. And when you see someone fanning the flame in your life. You know, it's interesting what we're going to see take place for Paul here is Paul's desire for this group of believers is that one, they would understand the truth of what Christ has done in their lives, that he has saved from from their sin, that he's brought them into relationship with him. But not only that, that they would see that that serves as the foundation for them growing in their walk with Jesus Christ. It's not on the basis of their works for God that God is going to make them look more and more like Jesus. It is the simple fact of what Christ is doing in their lives through his spirit at work in them. And what I want to say to you, if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, that you should experience joy in your life as you grow in your walk with Jesus. That for you, you should experience joy as you grow day after day after day to look more and more like Jesus Christ in your life. And if you have someone who is standing on the sidelines watching you do that and fanning the flame in your life, you should rejoice in that. That's what Paul is seeking to do here. Paul is seeking to help them understand, here's what Christ has done and here's what Christ is doing in your life. Don't turn your back on what he's doing. And I'm here to fan the flame of you growing in Christ-likeness. As we look at the verses this morning, I want you to notice with me, beginning in verse 12 and walking through verse 15, that Paul speaks about God's providential hand at work. First in leading him to this region of Galatia to preach the gospel, and then in the life of the Galatians to receive the message that Paul had preached. I want you to notice beginning in verse 12, the providence of God that led Paul to preach the gospel to the Galatians. Notice what he says, brothers, I entreat you become as I am for I also have become as you are. He said, you did me no wrong. You know that it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. If you want to write down notes in your Bible beside that, you can write Acts chapter 13 and 14. That's where we see this play out in Paul's life and in Paul's ministry. What had happened to lead him to this region of Galatia is that Paul had experienced some type of physical ailment. And so he had left where he was. The Lord had led him to this area of Galatia so that he could hopefully recover from this physical ailment. But you know Paul. Paul, wherever he went, preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. It didn't matter if Paul was traveling as a missionary. It didn't matter if he was arrested and sitting in prison. It didn't matter if he was standing before one of the rulers of the day. It didn't matter where Paul was. Where Paul found himself was a platform to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so for him, he takes a pause in the midst of this journey with this physical ailment, and he travels up to Galatia, and there he preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ to the Galatians. But I want you to notice that the Lord was leading Paul in this direction, and that's what he reminds them of in the text this morning. So for them, what he's saying to them is, hey, do you remember when I came 
Do you remember when I landed, when I found myself in Galatia, where I preached the gospel of Jesus Christ to you, where I shared the hope that can be found in him, and where you responded to the message of the gospel? He says, that was not by accident. In fact, that was the plan and the purpose of God to lead me so that I would be there and be able to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to you. Now, what Paul's doing here is Paul is reminding them of what transpired. He's reminding them of where they met Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus this morning, I want you to reflect back on the moment where you heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and responded by faith, trusting Jesus as your Savior. Do you remember where you were when that happened? Do you remember who it was that shared the gospel with you? Do you remember how you responded to the gospel in that moment? I remember for me, I was eight years old. I was at a church camp and my pastor sat down and shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with me, shared that I was a sinner and that my sin separated me from a relationship with God. But because of what Christ had done for me, his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection, that I could trust in him for my salvation, be forgiven of my sins and brought in relationship with God. And so at the age of eight years old, I trusted Jesus Christ as my savior. If you're a follower of Jesus, do you remember that? I want you to know that it was not by accident that you were where you were. And it was not by accident that that person shared the gospel with you and that you responded which should remind us as followers of Jesus this morning that where God has placed us is not by accident. Where you work is not by accident. You say, Pastor Michael, I don't like my job at all. I don't like the people that I work with. It's a toxic work environment. Can I just say to you, perhaps God has you there because someone there needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you weren't there, the gospel wouldn't reach them. And God desires to use you to point them to the hope that can be found in Jesus Christ. It's not by accident you live in the neighborhood that you live in. When you leave today, it's not by accident that you go to the places that you go. In fact, God is directing your steps and he's directing my steps to put you where you are if you're a follower of Jesus so that he can use you just like he used Paul here. Let me say this to you this morning, if you're not a follower of Jesus, it's not by accident you're sitting here this morning. In fact, God has orchestrated this in such a way, whether it was an invite from a friend that brought you here this morning, whether you were just driving down Fort Hamer Road and happened to see a sign and said, I think I'll try church out there, or whether you saw something on Facebook, whatever, it's not by accident that you're sitting in the seat you're sitting in this morning hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. God has orchestrated that in such a way so that you today hear what Christ has done for you. I want you to notice that as Paul says to the believers here, it's not by accident that the Lord led him there to preach the gospel. I want you to notice as well, though, as we continue on, that in verse 14, it's providence. It's the providential hand of God that led the Galatians to receive Paul and the message that he preached. At this point in time, I want you to notice verse 14, this bodily ailment, whatever it was, Paul says in verse 14, though my condition was a trial to you. So here's what you have to understand when you look back at what's going on in the text this morning, what you realize is that 
physical infirmity, some type of bodily ailment like what's being described here would have not been something that would have been looked kindly on by the culture of the day. You got to remember at this point in time, they don't have modern medicine like we have. So you can't just run down to the pharmacy, pick up an antibiotic and you're good. If you had some type of physical ailment, something like what Paul is experiencing here, it would have been off-putting to people. Paul very likely may have not smelled very good. He had some type of infection in his body. Whatever's going on at this point, Paul says to them that it is a trial to them. His presence in Galatia, in this region, is a trial to these people. But he says, even in light of that, you still received me. You didn't scorn me or despise me. But notice what he says here in verse 14. You received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. One of the funny things that you see take place in Jesus' ministry is a conversation between his disciples and himself when they encounter a man who is born blind. So they encounter this man, and Jesus' disciples look at Jesus, and they ask him a question. Jesus, why was this man born blind? Was it his parents who sinned, or was it this man's sin that caused him to be born blind? So that's the mentality that's going on in this culture, that they would have looked and said that it is God's judgment against someone for them to have some type of physical ailment like what Paul had. And Paul said, instead of you rejecting me as a result of that, instead of you scorning me, you in fact received me as an ambassador of Jesus Christ. His question in verse 15, what then has become of your blessedness? He says, listen, God was at work in you in such a way that when I came, the Lord directed my steps to you. And instead of rejecting me, which is probably what you should have done in light of my physical ailment, you instead received me as an ambassador of Jesus Christ. What happened? Where did that mentality go? He says, even I testify to you that if possible, listen, listen to this, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. So the Lord had directed Paul's steps to these group, of believe, these group of Galatians who became believers, but he says to them that they received Paul and the message of the gospel. It was so precious to them. Paul says they would have gouged their eyes out to have received it. Let me ask you this question. Is that the way you feel about having heard and received the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, it's interesting that as you watch play out in the course of scripture, people come to faith in Jesus Christ in the New Testament. What's interesting about it is their lives are radically transformed as a result of that. I mean, their lives are turned upside down because they trust Jesus Christ as their Savior. Do you remember, if you've been a believer for a while, do you remember the fire within inside you when you first trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior? Do you remember what that was like? Do you remember thinking, I will take on hell with a squirt gun? 
turn me loose, let me go. That's what Paul is describing here about these new believers in Galatia. When they heard the gospel, they received it and they thrived as a result of having heard it. But then something changed. Paul has laid out for them a reminder of what the gospel of Jesus Christ is. And he's called them to the carpet and said to them previously that they have turned their back on the one true gospel. Now they have adopted this mentality that to earn God's favor is not on the basis of what Christ has done, but it's on the basis of what I do. And that my standing before God is not on the basis of what Christ has done on my behalf, but it's on the basis of me trying to pick up myself by my own bootstraps and walk out the Christian life in my own strength and power and Paul calls them to the carpet about this. He's done it for the last number of chapters, and he continues on beginning in verse 16. And whereas providence led Paul to preach the gospel and led the Galatians to receive the gospel, I want you to notice that pride led the Judaizers, those who were teaching a false gospel, to preach that to the Galatians. And it also led the Galatians to reject Paul and to receive a false gospel. I want you to notice verse 16. Have I then, Paul asks, become your enemy by telling you the truth? Remember, they had received Paul. They had received him gladly, even though he wasn't to be received, even though he had this physical ailment. They had still received him. They had received the message of the gospel. And he asked this question in verse 16. Have I then become your enemy for telling you the truth? He continues on and he says in verse 17, they make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out that you may make much of them. Paul has already addressed this false gospel that had entered into these churches in Galatia. He had already called them to the carpet. This group of Judaizers had come in and they had said, it's not enough just to trust Jesus and receive salvation by grace through faith. You need that plus some type of work to earn God's favor. And Paul had already dismantled that argument from the beginning. Starting in Galatians chapter 1, he has dismantled that argument over and over and over again. I told you a couple of weeks ago that it seems like Paul is saying the same thing over and over again. But parents, you know what that's like. You have to say the same thing over and over again to your kids, hopefully, so they'll begin to grasp it for a little bit. And that's what Paul is doing. You know, the truth is, it is pride that leads these Judaizers to come in and to preach a false gospel. I want you to notice, though, that Paul was not unaware of this. In fact, Paul would have been one of them before he met Jesus. Don't forget Paul's journey to meeting Jesus Christ as his Savior. That Paul was one of the top Pharisees of his day. That was one of the religious Jewish leaders of his day. In fact, Paul at other points in Scripture will detail out his resume as a Pharisee. And he'll say, I was better than all of the rest of them. Very humble, right? He says, I was a Pharisee of the Pharisee. I was... If you want to count zeal for the laws of God, if you want to look at that, he said, I was at the top until he met Jesus and realized that the Christians he was seeking to persecute 
were actually the ones who were truly following the Messiah. And on that Damascus road, Paul trusted Jesus Christ as his Savior. He was born again. He was made righteous in that moment. And so he is looking at these Judaizers, and he's saying about them that they don't know what they're talking about. He says, listen, I heard the gospel of Jesus Christ from Jesus himself. And I have proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ. These Judaizers are proclaiming a false gospel. Why are they doing that? If you notice what he says here, he says that it's because of pride, thinking that they know better than God. In fact, if you want to trace down every false gospel in the world, it doesn't matter if it's a works-based false gospel. It doesn't matter if it's prosperity false gospel. It doesn't matter. Any of those false gospels have one element tied to it, and that is the issue of pride. Someone thinks they know more than God. They think Scripture is not the final authority. They think that they can add something to the gospel and it be something more than what it is. And Paul looks and he says about these Judaizers, they're making much of you. In fact, if you think about it, that's exactly what they have come in and done with this group of believers who are in Galatia. They have stepped in and they said, hey, 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 listen, I know what Paul preached. I know that he said it's salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone that saves you from your sin. But you know, you, you've got more potential than that. In fact, if you look, you, you can earn more of God's favor by taking these additional steps. And Paul has hammered all the way back in Galatians chapter 1 and said, you can't earn any more favor of God than you've already received because of what Christ has done for you. But these Judaizers have come in and tried to build the people up so that they would look and say, oh, they know more than Paul knew. And he says it's totally on the basis of pride that they've come in with this false gospel. But not only that, he says in verse 16 about those who were in Galatia, that it's pride that has led them to reject Paul and the gospel that he preached. I want you to notice Paul's question in verse 16. Am I your enemy by telling you the truth? Paul asks that question for a very simple reason. And that simple reason is to confront the Galatians with the reality that this false gospel that they are itching to hear and take part in is actually not true. For Paul in this moment, he's looking at the Galatians and he's saying to them, why would you turn your back on the truth? Why would you walk away from all that Christ has done on your behalf? Why would you turn your back on that with pride, thinking that you can add something to your salvation? Doesn't mean that works in the life of a believer are unimportant, but I want you to hear me this morning. They don't save you. And not only that, they can't earn you more favor with God. That's totally on the basis of what Christ has done on your behalf. 
I want to offer you a caution this morning, if you're a follower of Jesus, to recognize and understand that there are false gospels that are being preached in this world in which we live. And I want you to hear me even further than that. It very well may be tempting for you to look and go, huh, maybe there's more to the story that I've not yet heard. What they're saying kind of sounds good. I kind of like a checklist. I kind of like a little more to the story. But I want you to recognize this morning that the truth of God's word serves as the foundation for everything that we do. That's the question for Paul with these believers. Do you not recognize that I have proclaimed the truth to you and now you're turning your back on that? What led them to do that? Well, it was pride. If you look at this world in which we live, we very much find ourselves in the same place that these believers in Galatia found themselves. People proclaiming a false gospel, people making much of you ultimately, not because of you, but so that you would make much of them. And Paul says, at the end of that is nothing but spiritual bankruptcy. So he continues on, if you look in verse 18, it says, it is always good to be made much of for a good purpose. And not only when I am present with you, verse 19, my little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. So Paul has said here, it's providence, it's God's work that brought me to Galatia at the beginning. It's God's work that opened your eyes to see the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ and respond by faith. It's pride that's led the Judaizers in to proclaim to you a false gospel. It's pride that has led you to turn your back on what Christ has done for you and try to earn it yourself. But notice what Paul does here. And I love this because it's encouraging to me at moments in time. If I'm Paul and some of the letters that he's writing to a group of believers, I would simply say, I'm done. Parents, you ever found yourself there saying the same thing over and over and over and over to your kids and they still don't obey? And sometimes you're like, I need to put you up for adoption, right? <laughs> Maybe someone else can do better, right? But at this point in time, Paul doesn't do that. In fact, what Paul says here, and this is, this is where his tone, I think, is so important for us to understand his purpose Paul has not given up hope on this group of believers. In fact, notice what he says here. I am in the anguish of childbirth. For what? What is he hoping is birthed in the life of these believers who are being tempted to turn from the one true gospel, who are being tempted to try to earn their favor before God? He says here, I am in this moment right now longing, hoping that Christ will be formed in you. Why does Paul continue to write? Why does he continue to encourage this group of believers? Why does he continue to challenge them to receive the truth? He does it because his desire is that Christ is formed within them. 
that they would grow in Christ-likeness, that they would mature to being fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Can I encourage you this morning? There may be people in your life that you may be tempted to write off who maybe trusted Jesus as their Savior, but you look at their life and you say, man, there is nothing different about you than the world around you. You may be tempted to just write them off. Can I encourage you, take the posture of Paul to in your heart deeply desire and encourage them and challenge them and walk with them so that they would turn back to the truth and they would grow in their walk with Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you this morning to recognize that for me as your pastor, this is the role that I feel like I have in this group of believers. You know, the reality is for you, God's desire for your life as a follower of Jesus is to look more like Jesus Christ today than you did yesterday. And to look more like Jesus Christ tomorrow than you did today. And I've said this to you before, it would be very tempting for me to stand up week after week after week and do nothing more than try to give you principles for life, strategize, give you 10 steps to a better marriage, or five ways to be happy, or seven ways for the Florida Gators not to lose football games. (laughs) Amen or ouch, right? But here's what I believe, and church family, I've told you this week in and week out. I believe that God's word serves as the foundation for everything you need to grow in godliness. Why do I believe that? Because it says that. And so every single week as we gather together, I'm going to stand and proclaim the truth of God's word. And like Paul, look and ask the question, maybe sometimes when you go, pastor, that stepped on my toes, or maybe I didn't like that a whole lot. I'll simply say to you the simple question, I'm not your enemy. I'm simply seeking to proclaim the truth of God's word to you. Not for my benefit, but for your benefit so that you would continue to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but for me this morning, Paul's words are an encouragement to my soul. And I hope it is for you as well. I want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. and Our worship team will make their way back. As they do this morning, maybe you are here today and the Lord has led and directed your steps to North River Church this morning so that you would hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're not yet a follower of Jesus like someone I met in the first service afterwards this morning. And he simply asked that question, what what do I need to do to trust Jesus Christ as my Savior? It's not by accident that you're here today. It's not by accident that you've heard God's word preached to you today. You have an opportunity right now to trust in Jesus Christ for your salvation. Very simply, to admit that you are a sinner and that your sin separates you from a relationship with God.
to believe that Jesus Christ, God's Son, came to this earth and lived a sinless and perfect life on your behalf, paid for your sins on the cross, died, was buried, but he rose again on the third day, securing salvation for you. So that if you will confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is the only one who can save you from your sin, the Bible says you will be saved. That's what it looks like to take that step. Maybe for you today, that's the step that you need to take. Maybe you're a follower of Jesus this morning and you simply needed to be reminded today of all that Christ has done for you. To reminisce for a bit when you heard the gospel of Jesus Christ the first time. Reminisce a bit of all that God orchestrated behind the scenes to bring you to that moment where he showed you who he was and you responded by faith, trusting in Jesus Christ. Maybe you've been tempted to walk away from that, to try to earn God's favor on your own merit. I'd encourage you this morning, call you back to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Rest in that today. Maybe you're a follower of Jesus and you know the name of the person that the Lord has put in your path, a coworker, a friend, a family member who doesn't yet know Jesus Christ as their Savior and you have an opportunity to be the tool that God uses to get the gospel message to them so that they can experience what you've experienced. In the few moments we have, in just a little bit, would you pray for that person by name? Ask the Lord to open the door of opportunity for you this week to share Christ with them. Maybe you're a follower of Jesus and the ministry that God desires to use you for is to encourage someone in their walk with Christ. You've been tempted to write them off. But in the same way that Paul's heart broke, that he desired to see Christ formed in these Galatians, that you ask the Lord to give you that same desire, to give you those same words of encouragement to speak to someone in your life today. Father, we ask this morning that you would work in our hearts and our lives. Bring the lost person to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ this morning. Bring the believer to a point of rest in their walk with Christ, growing as a result of what Christ has done in them, on mission, carrying the hope that they found into a lost and dying world who needs to hear who Jesus is. We ask that in his name. Amen. Would you stand and would you sing with us this morning? Our pastors will be down front. If you need to pray with someone, we'd love to do that. If you have questions, we'd love to help you take that next step. But you respond as the Lord leads.